Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the Venture Church Podcast. Venture is a life-giving church located in Bluffton, South Carolina, led by Pastor Sean Olson. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Now, let's dive into the word with Pastor Sean and his message for this week. Well, good morning, Venture Church. How are you doing? Yeah. My name is Matt Floyd. If we've not met before, it's so awesome to meet you guys. Uh, I get the privilege and the honor of leading adventure students alongside my incredible fiance, Casey. And man, we have just had such a blast doing that ever since we launched in February. Uh, we've been meeting at my house, and man, 26 middle and high schoolers don't sound like a ton until they're sitting in your living room. Trust me, uh, it's a little overwhelming. But man, if you're in a 6th or 12th grade, and you're not a part of what we do, man. We would love to have you be a part of what Venture Students is doing. We're having a beach day this afternoon. Over here, here. It's going to be awesome. We're excited. If you'd like some details about joining Venture Students and what we're doing or coming on that beach day, come talk to me afterwards. We would love to have you be a part of that. Man, this is going to be an awesome Sunday. I am so excited. And let me just applaud all of you guys for finding us this morning. Yes, in Boston Middle School. Uh, yes, awesome job. I don't know if I could have done it myself, uh, but we made it here. We're excited to be here, and we're going to have a fun day today, man. Uh, if you're a first or second time guest, we want to extend just a special welcome to you. Uh, we're so excited you chose to worship with us this morning. Um, and can I just please tell you, come back next week. Don't base your determination on this church on a 22-year-old Bible college student. Come back. <laughs> come back next week. Uh, here, our lead pastor, Sean Olson, bring just a fire word. Can't wait to hear what he's got prepared for us uh, next week. Um, but I got to start. I got to start this morning by giving some honor where it is due. We have some incredible lead pastors, church, and Sean and Angela Olson. Man, they give so much to this church. So many unseen things that we have no clue about. The burdens that they bear for us. It's just incredible, man. I think back to the night I met you, Sean. Uh, back last October, we, we met around Java Burrito. Come on, somebody. It's so good. Yes. And uh, the very first thing Sean said to me was, uh, cool sneakers, dude. So, of course, I had to wear those shoes this morning. Because uh, any guy who wears red shoes, you know, has a, a good word on sneakers. Let me tell you that for sure. But, man, there's, there's a phrase that, that, Sean, you've taught me that's been so impactful on my life for the past, you know, six or seven months. And that's the idea of we have an invitation to a seat at the table. And that invitation is extended to every one of us in this room today and everyone in this city. And, man, I'm so thankful for every moment I get in this man's dining room to pull up a chair, to share a meal, and, and to share a life with one another, to grow closer together. And I'm just so thankful for you, Sean. So, church, let's give it up for our pastors just for a moment. Man, I'm so excited for what God's placed on my heart for this morning. Uh, it's going to be a super great time, but I thought it'd be good for you guys to get to know just a little bit more about me as we get started this morning. Like I said, I'm 22 years old. I'm going to school to be a pastor. I'm super excited about that, believing that that's what the call that God's placed on my life, and I believe that that uh, pretty little lady with the camera over on the left is supposed to marry me, uh, so very excited about that, yes. Amen, so excited. 
Uh, but man, uh, my parents are actually tonight, and I'm so thankful for you guys being here. Uh, I'm one of five kids that all grew up in the same house. Uh, we were all five homeschooled, and let me tell you guys, every year that goes by, I understand how my mom did it a little bit less. I don't get it. Like, uh, how the, oh man, the anxiety level that she must have had every day, I do not get it. But they're amazing. My dad, man, was my best friend, my baseball coach. He's going to be the best man at my wedding. And uh, we just had a, a great time together. Uh, super fun. And that whole homeschool thing, like I said, uh, you'll understand a little bit more about me just right off the bat by knowing that, okay? So just excuse that as we, as we get going. But um, in preparation for this morning, I remembered a story from my childhood, very fondly, uh, very kind of funny story I'm going to share with you guys. But uh, I remember the night, my, I was probably five or six years old, my dad came home from work and said, Matt, I think it's time we take the training wheels off your bicycle. And I was like, okay. And I was excited, man, because that bike I had, it did not deserve training wheels. All right, this bike was dope, y'all. Let me tell you about it. Okay, it was black and bright yellow, kind of like a hornet yellow jacket kind of thing. It looked cool. So those training wheels on the back just was like, mm-mm, that didn't look good. But man, I had this coolest helmet. It was blue with like red flames on the top. Man, when I was riding that bike around the cul-de-sac, I turned heads, y'all. Let me tell you about it. I really did. And so my dad, you know, gets the wrench, takes the training wheels off, and, and we get started. He does that whole dad thing where he, like, holds the back of the seat and helps me keep balance as we get started. You know, I'm sure I fell down a few times, but eventually got the hang of it, right? Start the cold attack, and, man, that was the most unbelievable feeling ever. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, most unbelievable feeling ever. Like, I could feel the wind. Helmet running through my hair is the best thing ever, right, guys? And I just felt on top of the world. And out of nowhere, I hear from over my shoulder my dad yelling at me, Matt, Matt, watch out for the mailbox. You're all ahead of me. There was a mailbox in front of me that I didn't see coming. And um, I don't know if it was scientists or philosophers, but there's some field of study out there that has said, wherever your eyes go, your body follows. So you tell a five or six-year-old, hey, watch out for the mailbox. Guess where their eyes are going to go? The mailbox. And so I would like to stand here on the stage today and tell you guys that I got that mailbox better than it got me. Uh, but that's just not true, uh, fortunately. So my dad was doing what any good dad did. And he ran to me. He scooped me up. He, he brushed off my scraped knees and, and hands. And he helped me get back on the bike and keep going. But Man, in the years since, since that story, I've been thinking back on it, you know, thinking about where my eyes go and my body goes, and my father, being a good father, is yelling me a warning, right? Watch out for the mailbox, pretty, pretty basic warning. If I had taken my eyes off of the mailbox and turned my eyes to my father, I probably would have avoided that catastrophic mailbox, right? I probably would have turned around and gone towards a better tomorrow. And, and that's kind of a funny story, kind of a, a cute story. But man, how true is that? Where our eyes go, where our attention is, what has our focus is what we move towards. It's what we move closer to. And there's so many things, man. It, it feels like a million things a minute sometimes that are flying at us, right? We've got so many things coming at us, careers, hobbies, friends, simply things, there's so much that just comes at us that wants our attention, right? That wants our focus, that wants our gaze, that wants us to move 
closer to it. And ultimately, we have to determine for us what's a good focus, what's a right focus, and what's a wrong focus, right? I'm going to bring her up again because I think she's cute. But man, a few years ago, I locked eyes with these pretty blue eyes, and man, they had my attention right off the bat. And I moved in that direction, and I'm forever grateful for it because my future has been determined by it. And that's a future I'm so excited to begin. But what about those things that aren't so good? Man, how about screens, y'all? In our hands or in our homes, screens are vying for our attention. They're never connected to purpose, hardly. And it takes so much of our time. They're they're vying for our attention, stealing our attention, and, and we're drawn towards them. You guys probably are sitting in your seat right now thinking about five or six things that have your attention that are coming up either today or in this week that you're focused on and you're thinking about. We have so many things that, that call for our attention, that want our focus. But, but here's the big truth, the big truth today that I want to talk about, guys. It is that my future is determined by my focus. My focus determines my future. My focus determines my future. Say it with me. My focus determines my future. Touch your neighbor, say it. My focus determines my future. Touch the neighbor you didn't want to touch and say it. My focus is determined by my future. And so we have to be really careful, guys, about where we put our focus. It's incredibly important. And it's very similar to to following a roadmap when you're going on on vacation or going on a road trip, right? You know, I... I don't know how to read a map. I'm going to be real with y'all. You know, I've got, I've got Siri. If it weren't for Siri, I would be lost all the time. Let me be real with y'all. But, man, if you're following a map on a vacation and you're going somewhere, if you get off for like a mile, you can course correct pretty quickly, right? And at the end of the trip, you don't even realize it. But, man, if you get going for like hours and you get way off course real fast, right, and all of a sudden you're way away from your destination, and you've got to figure out how to get back. And that can take a long, long, long time. We have to fix our eyes on what matters most deeply if we want our future to matter deeply. All right, my focus determines my future. And this morning, I want to get into a Bible story about one of my Bible heroes named David. Anybody else like David in the room? Man, he's such a cool Bible character. I love him. Love him so much. We're going to be reading out of 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. I'm not going to read all of it, so I'd encourage you guys to go in later today, later this week, and read that yourselves. Uh, anybody in the room got a good old-fashioned physical Bible with you? Raise it in the air real quick. Got a couple. Of, oh, y'all are so much more spiritual than I am. Hallelujah. I'm up here with an iPad like a heathen. Oh, man. Uh, anybody like me, though, that's got a smartphone or another device, feel free to pull that out and tap over to 2 Samuel 11. And we're going to start reading, man. Uh, you know, you guys in the room who are familiar with David are, are probably familiar with, like, the Cinderella story version of David, right? You know, we got the little shepherd boy out in the field that isn't even thought of by his father on one of the most important days who winds up defeating Goliath, and, you know, we all love him and love the story, and it's such an inspiring story. But what we're going to read today is a little bit further in his future. See, David is now king of Israel, and he's a great king. He has led Israel to victory after victory on the battlefield over and over, bringing glory not only to God's people, but to God himself and to his name and to his power that we were just singing about. David is a great 
man. And ultimately, God says over his whole life that he was a man who pursued me. And so David is this incredible guy, but we're going to read a story today that honestly is incredibly sad. And if you really get into it, it's incredibly gut-wrenching. But let's read it together. We're going to start in 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. It says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. So tea for time, y'all. I don't know if you, you catch it. David is supposed to be in the battlefield. He's supposed to be with his men. That's his purpose. That's where he's supposed to be connected. Instead, he's just chilling, sipping sweet tea in Jerusalem. Right? He sent someone else in his place. And so here's, here's the first thing with focus. In order for us to wind up way off course like we talked about, you first have to get out of focus. Out of focus. Off of what your purpose is. And so out of focus is a big deal. David took his eyes off of what mattered most. Um, just a few months back, I was turning out of my neighborhood early one morning, headed to work, and I looked left like you're supposed to, looked right like you're supposed to, but I didn't look back left like you're supposed to. And I didn't see a black SUV with no headlights, all right? I'm fine, thankfully, but my focus wasn't where it should have been, right? My focus was, you know, over here looking at a dandelion or something. Um, out of focus leads to trouble. Out of focus is a very big deal. So David gets out of focus, and that opens the opportunity for the wrong thing to come in. He, see, he's at the wrong place at the wrong time when we pick up the story in verse 2. See, David gets on the roof of his castle, and he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to go get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. And so here we go. We've got the wrong focus. So David went out of focus, and now he's got the wrong focus. Right there in verse 2, if you've got a physical Bible, you might want to circle the word saw. He saw her. His eyes went to her. His focus was set on her, and he moved in that direction. It's incredibly sad as we go. We'll see the consequences of this sin, this, this terrible idea. But at first he had to be out of focus. But now his focus is on the absolute wrong thing because she does not belong to him. She is another man's. And so the wrong focus now is leading towards a wrong future. Remember, my focus determines my future. And so if you have a wrong focus, now all of a sudden we have a wrong Wrong future. So David wasn't out looking for trouble, but he found it because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And here's the truth, guys. The enemy is at play in our lives today, trying to throw things in front of us. Life's doing it too, by the way. Just throwing things at us, trying to get our attention, bad things, whether it be sin or just a distraction to get us on the wrong focus. And it takes us down the wrong future path. It's incredibly sad. And as we read further in the story, 
Bathsheba, you know, sends word to David. Uh-oh, we got a problem. We got, we got a bun in the oven, if you will. And, and so David gets in kind of freak-out mode, right? And this is where the wrong focus gets switched again. Now it's off of Bathsheba, and it's on to cover-up mode. So David calls her husband Uriah home thinking, I'm clever. If he's home, no one will assume anything, right? Um, and so he calls him home, but Uriah is an incredibly good man. And so Uriah gets home from war, gives a report to the king, and then he just goes and sleeps with the palace guards on uncomfy mats, right? And so David is outraged. And in verse, uh, sorry, verse 10 he brings you right to him. He says, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? And Uriah said to David, the ark in Israel and Judah are staying in tents. My commander Joab and my lordsmen are camping. How can I go home and eat and drink and be with my wife when they're there? So Uriah is a man of honor. But that really pissed off David because David's in full on cover up mode. So David removes his focus. And this is where it starts to get truly, truly sad. You see, David sends Uriah back to the battlefield, and he sends a command to Joab to put Uriah at the battlefront where the fighting is the fiercest, and then to abandon him, to die. And it happens. By David's commands, Uriah is killed in battle. And in verse 26 and 27, when Uriah's wife Bathsheba heard her husband was dead, she mourned for him. And after that time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David did displeased the Lord. Pretty obvious that it would, right? But David is sitting here thinking like, I have done well. I have covered up the lie no one will ever know. And, and honestly, that's where wrong focus gets us to. Very, very easily. Wrong focus, wrong future. And so the next part of the story, I'll summarize because there's a lot of verses to it. But basically, the, the prophet Nathan goes to David and, and tells him this story about a man who had hundreds and hundreds of sheep and a man who had just one little sheep that meant the world to him. And the man who had hundreds of sheep had a guest over, yet he took the one sheep from the man, killed it for dinner. And David, the Bible says, he burned with anger. And he said, this man shall die for what he's done. And Nathan stands up and says, you are that man. You are that man. And so David is faced and confronted with his sin. And, and we sit here in the story in, in this pit of despair and guilt. And let me tell you guys, there's, there's probably some of you in this room, some of us in this room who woke up there this morning, who were feeling like, man, my, my today, my present, this future I'm living in is not what I've wanted it to be. I, I'm living in brokenness right now. I'm living in, in a broken marriage, in a broken home, in a dead-end job, dead-end career. I'm not where I want it to be. I, I don't know God the way that I thought I would. He doesn't matter to me the way that I thought he would. But here's the thing, guys, this, and this is where the story starts to become amazing, is that David's future isn't final. See, he had wrong focus that affected his today, but he still has the opportunity to affect his future, to affect his tomorrow. And this is what we have for 
the redemption. See, Nathan says, you will still have consequences for the wrong you've done. The son that Bathsheba bore will die. Your sons will turn against you. And that happens. But David is brought to a place of brokenness where God begins to use him. Because here's the most incredible part of today. No matter where our focus is, no matter what future we've been led to, God's grace is big enough. God's grace overcomes. He is great enough. He is strong enough. Our focus and the future and and the failure we've had is not too big for God to come in and take the glory and to have redemption, to have restoration. And, And that's where we find David. He's broken. He's on the ground crying in rags, in the dirt, crying out to God to save his son. And here's where David starts to get it right. His son dies of sickness and he hears word of it. He gets up from where he is. This is verse 20 of chapter 12. David got up from the ground after he had washed and put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. You see, wrong focus comes from where out of focus. And when we're in that place of brokenness, now we have an opportunity for restoration and redemption. The first thing he does, he lifts his eyes. Lifts his eyes. You see, our failure is ultimate with us. You see, some of us have bought the lie that in order to avoid sin and be closer to God, I've got to focus on my sin. I've got to make sure that it's not misbehaving and it's not trying to get me. But you see, the truth is that puts the full full force of your sin on your shoulders. It puts it on you. The truth is you can never carry that. You were never meant to carry that. However, when we turn our eyes to Jesus, we put our eyes on his grace, his hope. We put our future in his hands. We begin moving in direction with him everything starts to change. His grace is enough. His grace is enough. David puts his eyes on Jesus and says, I'm not enough for you, Lord. I'm broken without you, Lord. We get to do that same thing today. We turn our eyes to Jesus. I don't know where your focus has led you to this morning, church, but we get to turn our focus up. We get to lift our eyes to Jesus and move forward into the better tomorrow, a better future as we go. See, here's the really poetic, cool thing about this story. See, Nathan told David that his family would be a curse to him. And that happened. His sons ran him out of Jerusalem. But you see, ultimately, after David's life, several hundred years later, in fact, there was a virgin of his line who had a child whose name was Jesus. That man lived a perfect life, and he willingly went to a cross and took the debt we owed on himself to the cross and died the debt we owed. He paid it all. And so this morning, church, we get to lift our eyes. Lift our eyes to the one. Lift our eyes to Jesus. He is perfect. He lived the perfect life. He took our sin and he died. And so here's the truth, church. You might have walked into this building feeling defeated, feeling dead, feeling like your future didn't matter, but you still have a future. 
you still have a hope. You still have a life. You are not dead yet, so don't act like it. We have a life in Jesus Christ, and we get to move towards that. Our hope is on Jesus. We need to lift our eyes to him, and we move our future towards him. We align our future with his. So church, I'm just going to ask you to bow your head real quick. Blocking out distractions, this isn't a religious thing. And for some of you, you're feeling the weight of that. You're feeling where David was. He was down and defeated, and he was in death. He was wrong, and he was at a future he never imagined. But we get to turn our eyes just like he did to Jesus. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, and and you're here this morning ready to say, I'm ready to turn my eyes to Jesus, lift my focus to him, give my future to him, allow my future to be in line with his. I want you to just raise your hand real quick. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not even going to ask you to do anything. I just want to be able to pray with you. If you're ready to lift your eyes to Jesus this morning, ready to seek out the future he has for you, just lift your hand up real quick. Real quick. Jesus is moving in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. I'm going to ask all my friends in the room to pray with me out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for making the way, for paying my debt, on the cross. Today, I lift my eyes to you and the hope of the cross for my eternal hope and future. I love you and I leave my future in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's the awesome part, though. David's story wasn't fully yet complete. He'd gone down the wrong path. He'd gone down a wrong future he'd never imagined. Yet there's one more thing he got to do in restoration, and that is he got to point his focus. See, remember at the start of the story, David was off of his focus. He was in Jerusalem when he's supposed to be in the battlefield. And so Joab calls for him and says, hey, I need your help in the battlefield. So David, like the mighty warrior he is supposed to be, gets an army and goes to Joab and they claim the victory at Rabbah. And today, church, I don't know what your purpose is. I don't know where that line is. I don't know what your passion is. I don't know what you are made and put on this earth to do. But here at Venture, we are passionate about growth track. Growth track is where you find your purpose. And for some of you, you've recovered from the future that you never wanted to have, and you're walking with Christ, you've lifted your eyes to him, but you've not yet reconnected to purpose. Today's your day. We would love to have you join for growth track after church. We'll keep your kids. It's going to be great. I think I'm about 10 minutes under what Sean normally does, so you've got that time advantage anyway. It's going to be awesome, church. You can reconnect to purpose. Realign your focus and let your focus determine your future. Let me pray for us real quick, church. Jesus, we thank you for this morning and this time you've given us to be the church together. Jesus, I just pray for the focus of all of us in the room. I pray that our eyes would be lifted to you, God. That 
a wrong focus would not determine a wrong future, but God, by your grace, by your power, that we would turn our eyes to you. It's on you, Jesus, and move in the direction you have for us. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed today's message, take a second and share it with your friends. Here at Venture, we believe in the power of being connected with a local church body. So whether that's with us at Venture or another local church near you, we encourage you to get plugged in. We hope you have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening to the Venture Church Podcast.